Welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we watch. We are your hosts. I am Randy, here with Mr. Short. And today we have another special episode for you. Um, as you very well know, if you're listening to this when we publish it, it's Friday, Friday the 13th. And, uh, you know, we're the some spookiest spooky time of the year, spookiest time of the year, right under Halloween. Uh, you know, they should actually just move Halloween to a Friday, Friday the 13th. Like it could just be a new month every time. Just pick a Friday the 13th, put Halloween on there. We really got to maximize the spookiness of that day. Yeah. I really love the contrast of sending your kids out on like the spookiest time of year. Yeah. And wearing costumes and completely, you know, taking candy from strangers. It's the perfect environment for that. So I wholeheartedly endorse this idea. I Still. love it. I love that I did it as a kid. My kids are going to do it as, as when they're alive and they, they exist. They're going to keep doing this creepy shit of taking uh, candy from strangers. But the good thing is Friday the 13th happens a few times a year. We get to celebrate this one by talking about some spooky shit. And what that spooky shit is, is something a little bit different. We're going to be doing... Reviews of three short horror films um, shot by various independent filmmakers. Um, something we haven't done before, but something we like to do in our spare time. Just check out you know, who's making stuff out there. It's not always a big blockbuster thing to follow in the mainstream release. There are people just uploading stuff on Vimeo or YouTube. And some of them are getting a lot of notoriety by getting awards because they're just that well done. So we figured we'd show some love. To the short film community by doing three short horror films and this definitely won't be our last op- last time doing something like this and we won't strictly stick to the horror genre we'll definitely be covering covering shorts in the future of multiple different genres so uh yeah i'm really excited to do this uh, i know we've been wanting to do this for a while so we hope you enjoy let's jump right in yeah absolutely so just to give an overview of what we'll be talking about we'll be doing reviews for the movie la nodia Thresher and the Jigsaw and spoiler alert up top. These are pretty short films. They range between, you know, maybe seven to 12 minutes or so. So we're going to be spoiling it. Um, So if you want to go in unspoiled to these movies, um, I recommend watching um, the, what we have um, in the description notes. We'll put a link there, then come back and hear our thoughts, but we will be spoiling all three of these short films. Um, but I hope you enjoy what we have to say about them. So, let's just kick it off with, I mean, one of my favorite short films I've seen in the past couple of years. La Nodia from Nightwheel Pictures. It was directed, written, and partially animated by Carlos Pena. Um, probably mispronouncing his last name. But, I believe he worked on a variety of projects. I think including some projects with Pixar, such as the Toy Story series. Um, so that's always good to see um, him also being able to do his own thing. So he shot this uh, 12-minute horror animated CG short. Um, here's a quote from Y-Chan uh, Bowie from SlashFilm.com where she mentions um, this film has gotten 80 prizes at more than 150 festivals, including the Shanghai International Film Festival, Short Shorts in Tokyo, Vancouver Spark Animation, LA Scream Fest, Mexico's uh, Pixelate, Italy's View Conference in Tribeca in New York. So that's only a few of the places they've won these dozens and dozens of prizes for, you know, a really well-made short film. 
Um, we'll link to the official website in the description. But I figure we could just go ahead and give our thoughts on La Nodia. So, Mr. Shorts, uh, let's start with you. What do you think of La Nodia? I honestly have to say, despite this being categorized as a horror film, it was really more of a drama, in my opinion. It was more like a, a fantastical drama, a lot of fantasy elements that weave their way into a real-life struggle. And it has been a long time since a short film has brought me to tears. I think the last one that did it was Bao, uh, that aired right before The Incredibles. And then the one before that was, you know, Up in those first five minutes where they just decide to rip your heart out and make you question your, your, very, uh, your very existence. But uh, this film was really well done because I think it really related to something we all kind of struggle with, it, something we all people at different ages struggle with, and that's just the pain of loss. And this whole film revolves around this small child who he uh, he loses his father and they allude to that throughout the whole film using uh, you know little pictures and photographs and one of the things he never got to do with his father was build a ferris wheel and throughout the whole film he's trying to build this ferris wheel but he loses a part of it a piece of it and when he loses that piece he realizes that there's monsters these deformed looking creatures in the same room with him trying to trying to grab him, trying to attack him. And the boy is just filled with utter terror, and he tries to run away. And long story short, he ends up climbing to the very top of a building uh, of his house. Um, it's not a building, his house. And when he gets to the top, he sees that all the creatures are there, even though he tried to run away. But he soon realizes that these creatures are representations of his grief, his depression, uh, his pain. Uh, and it, I really enjoyed that because it shows that these creatures are the literal manifestations of the things that make us ugly, such as those dark emotions, those dark, uh, those dark feelings that we get when we go through something like that. So it, uh, it did a really good job of kind of taking personal traumas that we may face and kind of uh, personifying them in the form of these creatures. So I really love the whole overall message of this film. And I think it had a really beautiful ending because he ends up like screaming really loud when the creatures are about to touch him. And it just shows that he finally came to terms with what happened with his father. And he decided to finally, quote unquote, confront his demons, which are his inner demons. And from there, they help him uh, kind of cry and and kind of let go of the loss he feels, which is something we we all go through at some point. And uh, he ends up finishing the Ferris wheel and. And that's the whole overall uh, message of the film. But uh, I thought it was a it was a really great way of kind of depicting something that's pretty serious subject matter and making it relatable to any age, any age range. Uh, so I, I definitely saw how it was able to win all these awards. And just speaking on the animation itself, it was it was beautiful. It, I felt like I was watching a Pixar movie. So the whole team really put their best foot forward for this, and it really showed. And I just love seeing short films like this that really just uh, they kind of flex a little bit and show you, you know, just because it's not a big production doesn't mean it can't be done well. And you, I think this day and age is really reflective of just how creative, like uh, we, we have the opportunity to be more creative than we've ever been with uh, the upgrades in technology and just uh, just the overall, I guess, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, how acceptable it is now to like want to make short films and stuff. Back then, that was probably a little bit more foreign to people. But yeah, it's just uh, it's just beautiful to see projects like this being made and then just shared on public 
websites for anybody to enjoy. It's it's really what filmmaking is all about, and it's it's one of those short films that really makes me happy to uh, be interested in this field because you can really kind of take something like art representation and uh, kind of assist people with uh, with their own traumas and help people in a really special way. So I think that's what art and filmmaking is all about. This movie does a perfect job of showing all of those things. What about you, Randy? What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'll echo everything you said. Um, this movie was written, I think, really well. Uh, I love how they give you a sense of what happened without ever explicitly saying it. There's no real dialogue in this movie. You see pictures of the kid and the father building Ferris wheels, and you see his just the, the facial um, acting of this CG character um, showing how much they're struggling just putting together this Ferris wheel by itself and the frustration when it all crumbles. Um, and then when they introduced the creatures, it had like like Silent Hill vibes where they're just slowly stalking this kid throughout the house and, t- and they're terrifying. Everything they're doing suddenly looks like they're going to eventually hurt him. So it's a great swerve to be in, in the end, um, them just being uh, representations of his grief. Um, similar to the Baba Duke and how they represented grief in that movie. That's what this did too. It presented grief as these gruesome looking horrid creatures that look really dangerous. Um, but ultimately, once he confronted his demons, he was able to use that grief to build a tangible memory that he had with his father in this incredible looking Ferris wheel. And the animation was beautiful. I believe Carlos, he worked on other Toy Story projects. And when making this, I believe he reached out to dozens of different artists so they can help him make sure this looked as great as it should. This looks like it sh- it belongs in the front of some Pixar movie. Um, it's a little more, you know, scary in terms of the characters that, you know, maybe kids couldn't handle, but um, it deserves to be seen by all types of family. You know, everyone has those moments of grief in their life and i think this was a beautiful representation to it. it it definitely you know caught me right in the feels it looked beautiful um the script was excellent and i loved the message about it so overall this movie deserved all 80 or so awards it got for sure how would you uh having seen this already did it change what that like list of favorite it could be short animated films or just animated films in general. Does that affect the tier at all for you? Like, do you think this ranks pretty high and kind of deserves to be placed in like top five or top 10 for like animated shorts? Uh, how did that change? Like, has that changed your perception at all watching this short film? Oh, sure. I think so. I, you know, seeing a lot of my shorts uh, that I absorb for animated categories come from Pixar and some Disney here and there. I think that's a, the bulk of what I've seen. But this this is right up there with uh, Bao. This is right up there um, with a lot of those shorts from the beginning of the movies. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, if we were to ever publish, you know, top 10 animated shorts or so of the last decade, uh, there's, spoiler alert, there's no way that this film would not be on that list. It absolutely deserves it. It's a category of horror mixed with animation that you don't really see that much of, especially CG animation to this level. Um, so, yeah, definitely a top-tier animated short film. How about you? I agree with you. I think one of the things that it does well is it has that dark and gritty tone to it, and I think that's also a detriment. I know we were we were kind of talking about this before the episode, but uh, 
because it's such a serious subject matter that it deals with and it just does a great job of showing the uh, personification of those emotions in these like really deformed creatures unfortunately i don't see how they would ever like show this like before any mainstream uh pixar film in like a movie theater just because i feel like it'd be really controversial which i love but i think at the same time that's uh that's something that i i don't see us like audiences being ready for even though i wish we like they were uh but i think that's the only detriment to this film is like it's just, it just wouldn't be widely accepted to show it to the masses like that i mean i could be wrong let us know in the comment section below but uh i mean, I mean how do you feel about what i just said randy well yeah i mean a detriment to, it's not really a detriment to the filmmaking it's just it won't have a wide release like i mentioned earlier for a pixar movie that's fine right. everything needs to be attached right. to the empire of the mickey mouse house um so it's fine i feel like there's there's some new area out there that this could be attached to you know if something like Coraline came out today i think this would be a perfect thing to lead into Coraline, for example um so you know maybe this can open up the doors to for this artist and any of the other filmmakers who worked on this film or were inspired by it to make feature films akin to this because this would be beautiful in its tone and um de and depiction of grief and horror and um terrifying lighting but in the end having an uplifting message i'd love to see more movies like that in this format so maybe we can get feature length films more often for something like this and then they can attach these short films to the front of it yeah i completely agree with you man and uh I think that's what I was mentioning earlier, too. That's the beauty of the day and age we live in. Even though it wasn't shown before any, like, big Pixar films, we have, you know, avenues like YouTube and Vimeo to kind of spread the news on these beautiful films. And uh, I'm really happy, again, that I was able to come across this with you on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a delightful movie. Uh, and I, I would even watch it again, honestly. Uh, it's that good of a short. So everyone should definitely check it out. Um, but on that note... Let's jump into the next one. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So the next short film was actually from 2014, and it is entitled Thresher, uh, directed by Mike Diva, co-directed by Sam Sh uh, Shapson. Uh, and this story was by Mike Delaquist and Jean or Jan Michael Lasada. Um, it was also written by uh, a lot of Sam Shapson and George Maddox, Oz, Jackson Lanzig, Colin Kelly. There was a lot of there was a lot of work done into to writing this script, and I'll, I'll get into why. That's actually uh, pre, it, it actually it's it's something that is shown in the film that you had a lot of people kind of coming together and putting their heads together to make a really cool short film. Uh, but just a little bit of description notes here. Uh, this was actually shot for the Guillermo Guillermo del Toro uh, Legendary Pictures competition called House of Horrors, uh, and it was shot in a YouTube space house of horrors with uh, legendary pictures entertainment backing them up. So you already had like a really cool environment for some really creative people to come together and not be hampered by resources. They kind of had the opportunity to have everything they needed at their disposal uh, to make something really spooky, really scary. And this movie does just that for me. So uh, just jumping right into the spoilerish descriptions of this short. Uh, it actually starts off. Uh, very vague, which is something I really love because I love things to unravel throughout a film. I don't want to, I don't want everything to be info dumped on me right away. So, uh, the way this film starts is you just see a man starting a record, 
and he just he's in this old looking Victorian home and he's uh he's kind of just it looks like he's slightly insane or going insane and he uh he acts like he's in prison so like the first few minutes of the short film just show him working out uh throw him throwing darts him trying to um just kind of get out of the situation he's in and then it's revealed that he's putting all of his time and effort into figuring out the potential combination to this lock that's on a door the door to escape this room this house uh and he just goes through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh different permutations of the lock combination with no success uh and you could tell that's why he's beginning to go a little bit insane because he just can't figure out the combination to this lock and who knows how long he's been there but then things start escalating right they start getting spookier because as the record stops playing uh he ends up hearing a noise and he goes into the i want to say the attic of the house and he uh and another side note this film is absolutely beautifully lit the lighting in this short film is bar none some of the best lighting i've seen for any production and uh you and i both know randy when it comes to horror films lighting is so important it really just tells the tone sets the mood uh really builds up the anticipation and, and suspense for for horror films so they do this act like the just the, the level of they the level at which they do this is uh, definitely expert um and so he gets to this attic and the only thing you see is like a dim light swinging back and forth with the attic being completely dark. And as he further explores the room, he sees that the light slowly flashes to the side and reveals that there's just this sinister looking like black entity uh, with like tar like skin and like bulging white eyes and showing nothing but teeth. And it freaks him out. You know, it would freak me out. And he uh, quickly runs back to the door. And uh, he's almost figured out the combination. He just needs one more number, but he needs to hurry up because now the creature is slowly approaching him uh, to attack him. And right before the creature gets to him, it's revealed that there's two other creatures in the house and they're also closing in on him. And he eventually, uh, at the last minute, manages to unlock the door and run outside to escape the creatures. And you think that's the end of it. But then in very H.P. Lovecraft-esque style, he figures out that the door he walked out of was just a door into a much more sinister and diabolical world. And then the camera pans to what he's looking at, and you just see like a bunch of Lovecraftian creatures in the background just kind of like existing and torturing uh, other damned souls. And you just see tentacle like appendages everywhere. You see creatures in this like foggish background. And then the camera pans back to behind him, and the creatures are outside the door also approaching him again and uh then it just kind of jumps to a scene where there's a doctor and he's talking to like a military general and you see the guy who was trying to escape the room is actually a patient of some kind in some kind of base or laboratory or hospital and the sergeant or the the major asks him did he make it he's like no he didn't make it so the major's like okay well this is another failed attempt to bring in the next uh the next uh, subject to test on but at the last minute like a tentacle bursts out of the body and attacks the doctor uh so that's the end of the film and i will say this i thought the way this film started was very reminiscent of uh one of my favorite video game trailers uh it's actually for the game uh the evil within they made they ended up filming a live action 
trailer for that game back in 2014 and it starts off very similar to this one with like a record playing with really dim lights and just the contrast of the orchestral music playing with like the demonic creatures they show really just kind of sets this really interesting tone that I really enjoyed especially since I grew up playing games uh, like the Resident Evil franchise where you're stuck in mansions or like these old looking houses while these creatures are trying to attack you it's just it's just part of that environment that I really love, and it really made me love this short film. Uh, in terms of uh, weaknesses, I really didn't like that the ending. The ending was really random. It didn't really explain what the, the subject was being tested on, and I understand it's a short. You can't really uh, go too in-depth with things, but it just feels like that ending wasn't needed. They could have ended it with the guy discovering that he's like in some kind of weird Lovecraftian realm and just ended it there, and I think it would have had a more impactful um presence on the audience but uh other than that the things i extrapolated personally from the short film was that the man was trapped in some kind of either afterlife or his own mind um and he's slowly going insane in the room but when he unlocks the door it's kind of like he unlocks his mind and he truly falls into insanity and the creatures he sees at the end were just a personification of him going truly insane and uh, never being able to return uh to any kind of normalcy from that point forward but uh, solid film, definitely worth a recommendation, especially if you're a horror fan. Uh, what about you, Randy? What did you think? Yeah, I liked a lot about this short film, a lot of things about it. Um, I, I think it, overall it was fine for me. I think that's how I would probably phrase it. Um, I loved how it started with the whole you figuring out who this guy is, what situation he's in, because at first it just seems like he's chilling, vibing out to some records, Throwing some darts, dancing with a mannequin, things you do on a Saturday night, it's all good. Um, but but they do a good job at revealing what's happened um, with a little bit a little amount of fat onto their explanation. So you see him marking the days of how long, then eventually just literally writing "fuck it," depicting yeah, I'm done trying to count how many days we've been out here. He's been trapped in there. You see him struggling with the locks, and you see various other locks on the floor that he was able to get off of the door, but a huge notebook of different combinations. Um, and if you have a lock combination of four, I mean, you can do the math if you have a graphic calculator back there, but that's a lot of different combinations that have to go through perfectly uh, before you can actually exit that room. Um, so he goes through a good amount of them, and he's still trying to work on his last one. And it just shows, yeah, it, time has passed, his record, the way he... He moves to the sounds of the records and just throughout the house. You can see he has kind of snapped. Um, and it's a curious setup. You don't know why he's in there. You don't know who put him in there. He doesn't seem to know. And we're well past him freaking out about the beginning. We're thrown right into his act two of living here. He already has a system. He has his own little culture in there. So that's cool. It was a good world building. Then he started getting visions of these demonic alien looking creatures and um, th then it, that's when it really starts. So the lore building was set up really well. Then the, the drama of him feeling like he's being haunted or possessed or stalked um, amps up with those visions. And then you see the alien in the attic. And that was a really good jump scare. I'll say the alien in the attic with the light bulb swinging back and forth, slowly illuminating the figure. That was a good jump scare. And then he starts getting stalked by these creatures. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm really into this. Then he opens the door. He sees a post-apocalyptic alien demon run world. I'm like, okay, this looks awesome. Where's it going to go from here? I'm, I'm hooked. Um, but then it does a whole, like you said, 
uh, it seemed to be all some kind of dream or just in his psyche somehow. And then there are doctors working on him with some kind of businessman. And, you know, it's like, oh, was it just a dream? Oh, wait, a tentacle comes out of the guy's chest to grab the doctor. Maybe it wasn't a dream after all. I didn't like any of that. That whole ending, I re like it really just put a sour taste to the rest of it. Because I felt like this movie could have been what you were saying if it cut out the doctor dream-like part where this just seemed like a formation of his insanity. Sure. But once you throw in the whole, like, but it's a twist. It's kind of like this in his mind. And we're trying to get into some kind of portal because we're asking if he got through. And then it, it kind of it becomes more sci-fi than uh, horror metaphorical, um, which I, it has dampered the, uh, I guess, the overall execution of the movie. But lore building, that was good. The um, the creature slowly haunting him while he's struggling to get that last lock off. That was good intensity, good drama. Um, and then the reveal of the post-apocalyptic alien world. I want to know what's happening in that world. That's where I want to stay. Like, if this was a video game, then that's the start. That's a great start to a dope-looking video games where you have to navigate through some kind of interdimensional hell. That's awesome. But then they threw in like this weird real-world reveal. And that's where it lost me for those last, you know, 90, 60 seconds. Um, so overall, a lot of things were done well in this seven and a half minute film. Um, but alas, you know, 15, 10% of it kind of lost me. Um, but overall, like, yeah, keep that first 80% of it. And it's good. It's good. Did uh, having seen this short film, were you reminded of uh, anything in tone or I guess story wise that uh, was similar to anything you've seen in the past? Um, even within was a good call. It did kind of feel like that. Um, there's a, a video game whose name I can't remember right now, but it kind of reminded me of some of those uh, Silent Hill recent uh, demo games where you're just kind of trapped in a house and these weird creatures keep popping up and you're not really sure how to proceed from here. Kind of felt vibes of that. Um, there's this video game about this painter that goes insane. I'll have to remember the name in a bit, but he's a painter and he has a, a bunch of paintings everywhere, but then the paintings start to get more warped and you realize that it's kind of a commentary on his own men mental instability where these paintings kind of come to life in weird ways. Um, so it kind of felt like that in a little bit too, at least in the tone of you're trapped in this house. This house has logic to it that doesn't make much sense. Um, and you just feel like the character is actually going insane. Um, so it kind of had those tones a little bit. Um, but I would love to see a game just like this. Like, Mike Diva out there, if you're listening, uh, make this a game. Just make make this the start of this. This is the perfect demo to a game I would buy and be terrified of immediately. So um, I would love that uh, <laughs> that translation of it, at least. Yeah, and I... Just talking about contrasting endings with that film, like I said, that, that beginning, like for the first 90% of the film, it has a very Victorian-esque, like, it's like a very, it's like a very old-fashioned type of vibe that it has to it. But then when you get to those last, I guess, two minutes, or not even two minutes, like the last minute of that short with like the scientist and the, and the general uh, it's weird. Like, I think you can agree with me. It almost feels like it was going for a cyberpunk kind of vibe at the end there. It was, it was just a really weird contrast. But, um, if that is Mike Diva's signature when he films, that's also, you know, a pretty interesting, I guess, 
vibe that I haven't really seen from other horror films, at least so far. So I thought that was interesting, even though I didn't like uh, the ending. Um, I mean, I didn't like that part at all, the whole doctor part. Um, I just feel like that's kind of a twist that's been shoehorned into a lot of different stories. Like, it was a dream all along, but was it? I don't need to see anything like that again. So cut that part off, and I like everything else. The 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 house where you don't even know what timeline it's in. It's just there's a record player, and maybe it's, you know, there's chains instead of automatic locks, so it feels old, but then you see something that looks like um, some kind of invasion of Mars meets uh, Mad Max Fury Road outside. Um, keep that part, but anything else beyond when once it uh, changes to the real-life doctor, I don't want any of that. Um, everything else is great. Okay, well... If uh, if you liked anything we had to say, check definitely check out Thresher. But uh, let's just keep this train moving. Uh, take us to the third one, Randy. Yeah. So the third and last short horror film on this list we'll be talking about is The Jigsaw. Um, the Jigsaw was directed by the Al Safar Bros, uh, which is cool. I guess there's multiple directors there. Written by Basile and Rashad El Safar. And, yeah, this film did pretty well. It came out in 2014, won over 30 awards in its 2014-2015 uh, film festival run. Um, selected by Oscar qualifying film festivals like the Montreal World Film Festival, Cleveland International Film Festival, L.A. Shorts, and etc. Um, so it did pretty well. So this was an interesting one. to I watched this right before we recorded this, actually. So uh, pretty fresh as to what happened there. But... I guess the origin was inspired by an old ghost story that the directors enjoyed when they were kids. Um, and, you know, they just kind of wanted to have that short film in full display for everyone else to see if they also um, liked it as much as they did when they were kids. Um, so essentially what happens in this short film, there's an old man. He walks into a shop um, filled with different things like puzzles, and he spots this particular puzzle. It just it draws to him. Um, he asks, like, you know, how much is this? Can I buy this? And the shoe, the shopkeeper just kind of warms him not to. Just says, you know, it it always comes back anytime someone takes it. It's not worth the cost. Um, but the, the old man just keeps pushing him to allow him to take it. He eventually throws down a good wad of cash. And the shopkeeper just kind of laughs to himself and then takes the money and hands over the puzzle and tells him, tells the puzzle, I'll see you shortly. Then the old man takes a long drive back to his house. You know, he puts on some, some whiskey and some nice record music, and he just dumps out the puzzle, starts going to work. Um, and he's finishing the puzzle. It strikes midnight. He kind of gets startled. He stands up. He stares back at the puzzle, and he freaks out. You're not really sure why he's freaking out. He goes to the bathroom, tries to re, um, recollect himself. Then he comes back to the puzzle. And you see the puzzle is an image of him doing the puzzle. Um, an impossibility, of course. That's why he's freaked out. And he has one more piece to put on the puzzle before it's complete. He places the puzzle piece into the puzzle. And you can tell it's an image of someone behind him. Um, then you see that image as an audience. Um, someone who I believe looked just like the shopkeeper is kind of stalking him outside the window. And then the last scene is that figure breaking the window 
assumingly to attack and kill uh, the old man with the puzzle. Um, and that's it. That's it. That's the end of the seven-minute short film. Um, and I, th I thought it was interesting. Um, I like the setup. I like a good classic mysterious item in a shop. Intrigued enough to get it. Take it home. It's not what you expected it to be. There are dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of similar tropes. Um, you see it with various things like the... Chucky franchise, uh, the Dummy franchise from Goosebump, um, even the Ring. I mean, yeah, the Ring. Any you can fit that trope into anything. Essentially, a seemingly harmless item is actually very, very harmless, harmful. Um, so this was kind of similar, but I, I'm okay with that kind of um, horror thematic if they can deliver pretty well. I thought that the concept of completing a puzzle that turns out to be you. I like that. There's a few other um, stories similar to that that I enjoy. The whole, how can this be me if obviously I just did this in real time? So immediately I'm sucked into the lore of how that happens, the why, the what this means. Um, what I didn't really like in particular um, was that ending of it just being a figure that looked like the shopkeeper attacking him with a blunt object, assumingly. I kind of wanted it to go way more into the horror figure vibe. Um, you know, I'm a fan of horror iconic looks. And I felt like that was a good opportunity to create um, some interesting looking character design as to what haunts this puzzle. Which, you know, again, also Jumanji, similar to Jumanji kind of there. But I felt they could have executed the ending better. I didn't really feel frightened of seeing a human looking figure behind him. Um, it felt more slasher mixed with the supernatural, which for me didn't mesh well. Also, didn't actually like the acting. I, I actually didn't when the shot when the old man um, freaked out for the first time. It was actually just hard to tell what he was freaking out at. It felt like he turned sick immediately, and or maybe he was reacting to the puzzle. I just feel like they can they could have executed his fright in that moment better for me to actually be with him on to like oh he's freaked out about this specific thing and we're going to see what happens i wasn't really um i didn't really buy into um his reaction and also that shopkeeper was just weird it's... like it wasn't weird in an interesting yeah. way he was just weird as in like you're very awkward and i don't want to see you and he just like laughed in a weird way i didn't really i couldn't tell what his vibe was he started with the whole the the old wise oldish wise shopkeeper who knows not to sell an item and then he just has this obvious um shit eating grin when he finally sells it to him so you know automatically suspicious but not really in an in a subtle way it was very overt um so i i liked you know what trope he fulfills with that he, hmm. he reminds me of the shopkeeper from rick and morty that episode with the haunted items. Yeah, that's like overtly, like, yeah, just like it. saying the riddles and puzzles out loud. It's exactly loud. that guy. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much knowing it's going to be bad. Yeah, pretty much like that character. Um, I, I like the idea of that whole like puzzle being of you. That's cool. Uh, everything else around it I didn't like too much. But uh, what about you? Uh, well, just a few things. Uh, just going back to kind of like the origin story we said about this short film. I was just like based off of an old ghost story from the, from the director's childhood. Um, I think that's one of the best things I love about filmmaking is you could just take these mundane experiences and kind of 
transform them into something pretty terrifying. I know when it came to like movies like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, that was inspired. Freddy Krueger, such an iconic horror villain, was inspired by Wes Craven seeing a homeless man when he was younger in a Christmas sweater, asking him for change and scaring the shit out of him. Um, and that's what birthed Freddy Krueger. So I really love to see when the creative process kind of takes over and you can take some of these mundane ideas or just like simple ideas and extrapolate something really cool from them, which, you know, is something we do uh, with our projects, Randy. Uh, we kind of just take our dreams and like convert them into like potential films and short stuff and short stories. So I really did appreciate that off the bat with this film. Um, I know in its like awards, it was, it won a bunch of like Oscar qualifying film festival, uh, competitions, which was cool, but I actually have to agree with most of your points. Uh, it was very confusing at the end of this film. If, uh, if, if he was killed by the shopkeeper or if it was something more paranormal, one of the things I struggled to really come to grips with, I wasn't sure of is like, was the old man just a, a personification of the puzzle? Like, is the puzzle and the old shopkeeper the same entity? Like, is that the paranormal part? Um, so a lot of it, like, that end part didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, again, I understand it's a short, but it, just with, just because it's a short doesn't mean you can't explain things by showing them instead of telling them. Uh, so I wish they would have done that a little bit more. Um, I did like the fact that it started off with the trope, as you were mentioning, about the shopkeeper saying not to buy this item because it always comes back. It really just goes back to the roots of a lot of horror films where it's like a cautionary tale of what happens to people when they don't listen or when they don't heed advice. Um, as they say, curiosity killed the cat. So uh, I did I did enjoy that aspect of it, but um, overall, uh, it was just very confusing story-wise. Um, other things I did like was the uh, uh, just the the lighting of the end scene when it's raining outside. I really, it's something very ASMR about hearing the raindrops on the window with like the dimly lit candle light, um, as he's like sipping on some whiskey and solving a puzzle. Um, you know, that, that was, that was, there was something oddly satisfying about that. So I did enjoy that final scene, but, uh, I will, I will say most of your gripes are the gripes that I also had with this film. Yeah. I also like that for those reasons too, the little, him just drinking whiskey, doing a puzzle. There was something calming about that. I agree. There's some ASMR value there for sure. Um, but you know, short movies. It's it, it's it's kind of hard. Like we ran into this issue a lot of times when we would try to write something, give us like a five to seven page limit, and we find that we can't really tell the full story with how extending it. So often we'll just extend the story length just to adhere to what we want our story to fully encompass. And I just felt like this movie could have definitely used like three more minutes um, in like an updated script on um, just really building out the lore of the puzzle slash the shopkeeper slash actually like the ending. Like what happens after there, it could have been a blackout kill and then they could have came back around to, you know, the shopkeeper um, resetting up the puzzle with the known entity kind of lurking in the background as the next victim comes um, again. You know, that was their movie. That was their vision. We can't just really rewrite it. But something of, of that nature, I think, would have been cool to see. I agree with you. I think it would have been even, like, just in the same vein as that. Like, uh, when he solves the puzzle, it shows him dying in a certain way, and then that's how he dies. And then that could be the lore with, like, a minute more of exposition or uh, film where it's just like, oh, my God, this this is what the puzzle does. It, it, it comes up with creative ways for these people to die, and then they die that way, and they kind of – become a self-fulfilling prophecy because they're the ones who created their own demise by solving the puzzle. So that would have been cool. But like you said, it's the director's vision. You got to respect it. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with your points on that one. But one question I, I do want to do, uh, I have for you, and I kind of want to do this for the end of each of these segments. Uh, for each film, albeit different films, um, what would you give each one out of 10? Sure. Um, I'd give La Nodia a 9 out of 10. I don't know really what qualifies as a 10 yet, so I usually steer towards a 9, but I think a 9 out of 10, uh, well-deserved. It's it's pretty masterful. I can't think of many shorts better than it. Um, I don't have much negative things to say. It's beautifully animated, beautifully written. Um, yeah, it was just... It, it was a beautiful thing to see a child come to grips with uh, death and memories and trying to salvage uh, habits that you had with someone you loved who's no longer there. So I'd give that one a 9 out of 10. Uh, Thresher, I would give a... I'd give a 6 out of 10. Um, a lot of things I liked had to do with the setup, the production, the intensity buildup. Um, the ending really let me down, so I'm putting a lot of weight against it. Because um, I think it really just kind of messed with the thematics it was going for initially. So I'd give that one a 6 out of 10. Then the Jigsaw, I'd give a 4 out of 10. Um, I like some of the lore. I also like the little production design of him in his house doing this ritual. You know, he, he's someone who probably does puzzles a lot. But everything around it, I didn't like the acting, didn't like the directing and how they cut certain scenes. And... You know, definitely didn't like the ending. So it was they, they played with a familiar trope, which you're going to play with a familiar trope, make it interesting. And they had an interesting idea with personally a not great execution. So Jigsaw, 4 out of 10. How about you? All right. Um, I will agree with you. Again, I don't know what a 10 out of 10 is, but I feel like La Noria is pretty close, if not there. So I'm going to say La Noria, 10 out of 10. Uh, but... Uh, you know, at the lowest I'll go with it is a 9.5. But again, it's just so well done. Uh, again, all these films are very different from one another. So take these ratings with a very big grain of salt. These are just our personal opinions, obviously. Um, but I would give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, Thresher, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to agree with you. The ending really let me down. And I think endings are so important for a horror film uh, that you have to put significant weight on on how this movie kind of drastically changed in tone with its its weird ending but um i will say i give it a six out of ten like you would but if they remove that ending and just like keep it at him in that landscape shot of seeing these like really lovecraftian creatures i give it a solid seven and a half out of ten uh, i think everything else works really well for it as a horror film uh so that's my score for thresher uh in terms of the jigsaw uh, there's a lot of elements i really liked from it 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 Again, I got that shopkeeper vibe from Rick and Morty from the main villain. Even some of like the old Are You Afraid of the Dark stories that had like that Sardo character in them. I don't know if you remember him, but he would always like sell the some something to a character and it would end up being like some twisted uh, like spirit attached to it or some like weird circumstance that happens because they buy this item. Uh, I feel like it was very reminiscent of that. Uh, if I would give it a score out of 10, I would say I'd be a little more generous. I'd give it like a 5.5 out of 10. Um, but definitely, like you said, the acting was a little weird, especially that extreme close-up of the old man's face. Um, just kind of made it a little bit awkward in that scene. But all in all, um, all of these films were great uh, in their own right. Uh, they did things very well uh, versus others. 
So I think you and I can both agree. They're all very worthy of being checked out. The main point of this whole episode anyways is to kind of show some love to independent filmmakers out there. Keep doing your thing. Uh, we love we love seeing your stuff. We love reviewing it. And uh, if I could say one thing, it would be uh, let us know in the comment section if you disagree with any of our uh, opinions, any of our gripes, any of our dissections of these short films. Uh, maybe we missed something. Let us know, uh, even if it's just a different interpretation. Also, if you want to recommend short films for us to watch, definitely also put that in the description or comment section uh, with these uh, episodes. And uh, yeah, we really, we really appreciate being able to do this and just showing the love for these, uh, these independent artists. Um, we'll also be developing a Patreon page pretty soon uh, for you to support us as well. So uh, if you like anything we have to say, uh, definitely like, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever you want. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me, man. I'm going to let you, uh, say what you want to say in terms of like an ending here and then plug us away, baby. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, I, I think one of these films are great. The other two are interesting. Uh, but the beautiful thing about this is that all of them are notable. A lot of people did really like them and not everything has to be a masterpiece for you to appreciate some of the elements of the film. So, while the Jigsaw one, I do not like. Um, there are things in there that are interesting that someone might really um, uh, link onto more than we did. Uh, same with Thresher. Some people might really like that sci-fi twist at the end. And Linodia, everyone's going to love this period. Um, so even if we don't like all these films, or I don't think all of them are great, there's something that you can uh, at least learn or admire, or at least appreciate, because they did a thing. They did a thing. They put it together, they wrote it, they put it out there, and then they even got some awards here and there. So that's impressive of its own right. We know how hard it is to make anything. So the fact that they made a thing, they put it out there for everyone to judge and love or hate or whatever, it's beautiful. So check those out. Lanodia, Thresher, The Jigsaw. We'll put the links in the description. And yeah, until next time, you can find more of our work at malampictures.com. Follow us at After the Act on Facebook and Instagram. If you have any um, uh, more in-depth comments you want to share with us, feel free to send us an email at AfterTheActPodcast at gmail.com. And stay tuned to what we talk about next time. Um, but until then, keep making things, everyone. And just kind of a little side thing, we'll also try to, if they have like a Facebook page, to uh, like their page with After the X. So if you want to check out our page to kind of see these other films, uh, do that too. But until then, we love you. Peace. Share that love. Show some love. Mm -hmm.